Reading out of Isaiah this morning, chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So those of you who don't know, that's my wife, Erica, and I'm going to pick on her a bit because she's walking that way. But if you, if you know her, she's got this beautiful heart about her and her ability to speak into people's lives. And, and I know that's why you love her and you just tolerate me. That's okay. I'm okay with that. But she, I've seen it time and time again, and we're out at a restaurant or out shopping or out somewhere with people, and she just says these simple things that completely disarm people. And, and I've seen it over and over again. And she'll just simply go, man, that's a, that's a nice ring or bracelet or that's a beautiful dress you have on or, or, or shoes. And in an instant, like you can just see people drop the armor and they just kind of enter into the conversation with her. And it's pretty miraculous because if I say those things, people just kind of go, okay, just back up. But there's one time it didn't work out too well. And I think that was because she was a woman. And men, you'll understand the story probably a little quicker than your wives will. But we were, um, this is when we're in Colorado Springs and we're in front of a King Super. We're either selling something or handing something out. I don't know why, because we don't hang out at King Super usually. Um, but we're out front, and there's people coming and going, and we were handing out flyers or whatever we were doing. But I remember talking to this one uh, individual, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this man run into the store. And then a few minutes later, he comes running out of the store with nothing but flowers. And Erica, being Erica, kind of stops and goes, those are beautiful flowers. At which point, he just kind of goes <laughs> and keeps on running. So follow me here. This is where I had to pull Erica aside and say, sweetie, if you ever see a man running out of a grocery store with nothing but flowers on a Saturday morning, you need to give him room. That boy's in trouble. <laughs> we need to be clearing a path for him. I don't know what he did, but he needed to get home. You know... When I reflect upon, because in my head, like, I'm playing out the whole story when he gets home, like, what's happening, you know, <laughs> coming in with the flowers, I'm sorry, sorry. You know, we put ourselves in those situations a lot of times where we have to run out with flowers because we didn't have the right guidance in life. We didn't have the right counsel of people around us to tell us, yeah, buddy, that's not the best decision you can make. You know, you need to make better choices and hold us accountable to that. We all need, like, a wonderful counselor in our lives to guide us in the process of learning how to live life the best we can. So what we're seeing this morning is looking at the word wonderful counselor when it comes to Jesus. When it comes to our own lives, what does it mean that Jesus is the wonderful counselor? That person where we can lay our burden down, lay the garbage of our lives down to, and have someone who has a specific plan not only for our lives, but he's there to see it through to what it's going to look like in our lives. And that's where we have this passage in Isaiah 9, 6, where it talks about the wonderful counselor. As we're continuing on in this series this morning, of you shall call his name Jesus. And again, I'll read that again for us real quickly. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And this is a very specific Hebrew connotation here where they have, each of these have two words in them. So wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And they represent some names of Christ. And it's interesting that we see wonderful counselor in here first. And if we break this apart a little bit, now the word wonderful here is we, we kind of, I don't want to say dumb down the word wonderful, but when we go like, hey, it's snowing, and we go, that's wonderful. I mean, it's a good thing, but this wonderful is like beyond expl- explanation. It is full of awe, full of wonder. Snow's good here, but we live in the mountains. We kind of expect snow, don't we? If it was snowing in the Bahamas, that would be miraculous. And that's more what this word is representing. Uh, one other place we see this word is uh, with Samson's father. When the angel of the Lord comes to Samson's father, and Samson's father goes, what is your name? And the angel essentially says, why do you ask me that? You can't comprehend my name. It's wonderful. You can't understand it. And this is what we see with this title of Jesus is wonderful. I mean, he was born of a virgin birth. He did miracles. He raised the dead. He taught in a way that no one had ever heard before. He was truly wonderful. And if you think about Jesus' ministry, it is beyond explanation. Because if you read a book about how to start a movement, you know, how do you do things well, things you wouldn't do would be say, hey, be perfect. You know, be sinless. You know, hate your mother and father. You know, do everything perfectly. You wouldn't say those things. Yet that's what Jesus taught. And people came to him in droves. That's truly inexplainable. Because it's wonderful in who Jesus is. The next part of this word is counselor, where you see the word here. And this is kind of a, if you think about King Solomon and the way he counseled people, this is the way this word is used. It's not like a, um, like a religious word. It's just counsel. Like So when the king had his counsel and he would bring them in to, to discuss what's the best solution for the problem, or when people were coming to see uh, King Solomon, and he would counsel them on what an answer is. That's what this word just literally means, is kind of counseling, bringing people in to understand. We see in Isaiah twenty-eight twenty-nine, it described again as uh, Jesus is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. And that's another word that goes with it as well, is this wise wisdom word that we see here. So Jesus is not your average counselor. As you, if you haven't picked up on that yet. This title uh, is described an individual who not only has the right plan for you or in general, but is willing to see that plan into fruition. See that plan into completion. That's what this counselor is talking about here. So that's what we have to understand about this wonderful counselor here. And now we're going to look at some of the traits of this wonderful counselor. And there's three things I want to look at specifically here. And the first off I want to look at is the guide portion of counselor. And uh, because we've always, we all probably have some type of experience with a counselor in our lives, right? Like uh, a student counselor, a uh, marriage counselor, a financial counselor, uh, a counselor for some type of addiction. We have this general idea of counselor in our lives, don't we? Of what that kind of means to go to someone who has the knowledge you need in order to draw it in to make yourself better, or to understand a process better, how to get through something that you're experiencing a little better. That's kind of this word of counselor. And as Jesus is wonderful counselor, he is really a guide for us. Especially living in the mountains, we, we all have 
we all know a bunch of guides who are up and down the valley here, and we know the, there's even guides in our church. And the funny thing about a guide is they can take you someplace, but they can't make you do what's going to happen there. They're not pulling from the front. They're essentially guiding you from the back. So they can take you to a mountain, but they can't make you climb it. They can take you to the best fishing hole in the valley, but they can't make you catch a fish. They can take you hunting, but you can't bag an elk all the time. There's a responsibility on us when we go with the guide to do what he tells us to do and to follow the instructions given to us in order to achieve that goal. And that's this idea of Jesus as wonderful counselor. Is he's going to guide us to the best path possible so that we can achieve the goals that he has for us. We see these words in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 where it's talking about what we need to be doing, what our responsibility is. And that's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Because I know when I go on my own, I don't always go on the right path. I don't always take the right path. But if I follow the guide and achieve his counsel, I can be on the right path. And... um. You know, we're all looking for a guide, and sometimes our desperation to find a guide, um, because of the burdens we carry, makes it difficult. And, and you've probably always seen this in a situation. Um, have you ever asked someone, how's it going, and you actually got an answer that you didn't want? <laughs> or weren't expecting? Yeah, everyone? Okay. That's good. I'm not alone here. You know, we, we've got so much burden. We have so many things on our shoulders that we're, we're desperate to get it out somewhere. And you see that when you're saying, hey, how's it going? And you're just saying it to be nice, and you're hoping to keep on going. But all of a sudden, they unleash, and they let it on you. And you find out way more than you expected to learn about a certain individual. Because we don't have a guide in our life. We don't have the community we used to have. We don't have the places where we can lay our burdens down in order to get these off our chest. And when I was a, I was a pastor in Colorado Springs for eight years, and this was the most interesting part of the whole job, was people would tell me things that I was not expecting at really odd times. And it wasn't, and the only reason they did this was because of this title pastor. I, I'd been working in the business world for 10 years prior to that. No one ever did these things. No one ever kind of just unloaded on me in strange places. And uh, the thing that was interesting about this too was that it wasn't people in the church that were doing this. It was people in the community. People that knew who I was and knew what I did. They were just so tightly wound. They needed a place to lay their burdens. And um, there's one time in particular that was pretty interesting because I was in the same supermarket that this man was running out of with his flowers. And it was uh, right before Thanksgiving. So I was doing the shopping. And, I was, and I, as I came around the corner, I saw my neighbor and his wife coming down the other way. And let me explain something about to you when I'm in a shopping, when I'm in a grocery store, is I don't know where anything is. And if I'm there, I got this scowl on my face because I got my list, and all I'm thinking about is getting everything on the list because I don't want to get back home and find I missed something. So I'm not, you know, believe it or not, I'm not thinking about the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. I'm not, you know, praying as I walk down the aisle. I'm just, all my concentration is getting everything on the list. You know, and I can... I found my way through, you know, jungles in South America and cities all over the world, but, you know, I do not know where the soup is. Like, I don't, every time I go, 
So that's why if you see me in the store and I have that scowl, don't take it personally. It's, I'm just trying to get my stuff done. And so I see my neighbor, and like, you know, we are neighbors. We had neighborly conversations, but nothing too deep, nothing enlightening. We just turn the corner, and I do what we always do. Hey, how's it going? And without a beat, he's like, well, I just got back from visiting my sister in jail because uh, she was assaulting a police officer because their neighbors called her for uh, just, you know, disturbing the peace. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, remember, I got grocery cart in one hand and my list in the other hand trying to find flour. And he's just like, okay. You know, if I was in my office and we were counseling, I'd be like, okay, you know, tell me more. That's great. In the midst of the middle of a store, I'm like, okay, is she all right? Are you okay? You know, it, it's caught, you're caught off guard in those moments. But that was just one instance of many of people telling me about their addictions, about affairs, about teenagers getting arrested. And, and you know, in, when I'm in a coffee shop, when I'm in the store, and it taught me several things. One is to not have a shocked look on my face when people tell me these things, <laughs> you know, and how to keep a secret. But more than that, it taught me that we're desperate for someone to talk to. We're desperate for some place to lay our burdens down. You know, we, we know we can't take our, our burden of our, to our friends or coworkers about our crazy sister, but we need some place to lay it down. We need some place that can take this burden off of us. And that's where Jesus comes in as a wonderful counselor and as a guide to help us through these scenarios, help us through these problems that kind of weigh us down to kind of burden us in this process. So this is the guide portion of the wonderful counselor. But the interesting thing about the guide is if we want to get someplace, we have to ask, which means Jesus is the receiver. This is the second part of the wonderful counselor, is receiver. You know, to give us the information we need to get us on the right path, we have to ask for it. And why is that so difficult? But we have to ask because this is what Jesus tells us. In Philippians 4, 6, you know, it tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication with your thanksgiving. What does it say? Okay, I highlighted it for you guys, okay? What does it say? There we go. All right. I tried to make it easy. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. James 1.5, it tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him... Man, really? We just did it once. Come on. Let him what? Ask. Yes. Very good. We let him ask for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. This may sound simplistic, but why is it so difficult? Y'all have a hard time even saying it. Come on. But we have to ask, don't we? God doesn't need to be asked because he knows our heart. But as writer Philip Yancey says, evidently, he just likes to be asked. And don't we, as individuals, well, or as parents? You know, for a couple years, I made our two youngest, Jude and Presley, share a phone. Mainly because I'm a cheapskate and didn't want to buy another phone. But for two years, these two kids who are completely different, have completely different personalities... We're trying to share this device. There's a lot of weeping and fighting and gnashing of teeth over this. And I just kind of sat back and just let it happen. Like, figure it out. I was like, figure it out. I'm taking it back. Okay, they go figure it out. 
So finally, after two years, they came, I, I don't know what happened, but they finally came to me, and they said, why haven't you bought us our own phone? <laughs> you never asked. And you could see the look on their face, like, what? <laughs> That's all we had to do? That's not all they had to do, but it was quite humorous because it just stopped the conversation right there. So, of course, then they're like, well, can we have one? So, but sometimes we have to ask. We have to make the request be made known in trying to understand what is happening in our lives. So this is the same responsibility we have with the wonderful counselors. We have to come before him as our guide, and we have to ask in order to receive all that he's giving to us. And the last trait of the wonderful counselor is that of an example. Christ, when he walked on the earth and gave us this message of the gospel, gave us an, not only gave us the word, but gave us the example of how to live it out. And one example of that is love. We see this in 1 John 4.19, is we love because he gave it to us. He first gave us love. In Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He, he gave us the love first. He gave us the opportunity to understand it. And we see this with goodness and kindness and peace and grace and submission to the Father. The wonderful counselor isn't some kind of wizard of odd character that was behind the curtain. He was living, breathing, eating, and living amongst us, showing us what it's like, showing us how it's done and how we should actually live. It was throughout the gospel, Christ was never asking anything of us. He wasn't willing to do himself or had already done himself. He wasn't there some separate giving advice, giving orders. He was doing it in the midst of explaining it to us so that we could live it out ourselves. And this trace is nicely expressed in Hebrews 4.15, where it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He's been there. He's done that. He's got the t-shirt. He can show it. He knows what you're going through. We can never use that as an, ex- as, as an excuse of, Well, he just doesn't understand. He just doesn't get it because he does. So what does this word, wonderful counselor, mean to us? I kind of want to wrap this up in in a practical setting of understanding what wonderful counselor means to us. Now, if we're truly honest about our culture and society and what's going on in the world, what are some words to describe our our, our culture and lives? And you you can tell me. Chaos. What else? What was? Confusion. Confusion. Yeah. Cultural what? Yeah. Death. Not predictable. Not predictable. Alone. Alone. Self-centered. Self-centered. Selfish. Boy, this is exciting stuff, <laughs> isn't it? Well, let's just say the times we live in are somewhat challenging, aren't they? We live in some challenging times because we're so overwhelmed with everything going on and the constant change that's happening around us. We're being pulled in a thousand different directions, and many people feel they're on a thin layer of ice, and they don't know when it's going to fall out underneath them. This is why stress, anxiety, depression are on the rise and skyrocketing. Teenage suicides have doubled in the last 10 years, and are going to double again in the next five if we don't do anything about it. 
we are overwhelmed with everything going on around us, and we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to live with it. The irony is, with all this change happening in so many different areas about what to eat, where to live, what house to live, what car to drive, what clothes to wear, how to act, we have all this confusion, yet the answer to all these problems has never changed. The answer is always and always will be Jesus. But we need to seek his counsel because it is still and always will be wonderful, no matter what the circumstances you're in. The problem is is we're going to the wrong places to ask our questions, and even in doing so, we're asking the wrong questions. Because think about this for a minute, and I'm going to kind of go through these quickly. But think about when we think about, I'm too busy. Where will I find the time? I'm so tired. Anyone feel that way? I'm so tired. Yet Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you what? Yes. Oh, see, we all know it. We all know where to go. I need more information to answer these questions in my life. I need to read more books. I just need to study more. The Bible tells us in Hebrews four twelve, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I just don't feel good about myself. What am I going to do? 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. I don't know what to do in my life. 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. I feel alone. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Wow. This is the wonderful counselor. This is the word of God. It's alive and living. He's left this word for us. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Regardless of what others say, Jesus' word is truly timeless. The problems change. They look different, but they all go back to self. All the problems go back to us. That's what this addresses, is what we should do with us. In our day and age of infinite information, isn't it amazing that we'll go to every other place to find the answer except the one place that has all the answers? In the Word of God. Think about it for a moment, because you've, you've probably always, maybe I'm the only one, but I doubt it. You know, you have an answer, and you, you all, you'll go anywhere else to find the answer. And you find a answer, and what generally happens you know, it takes you down the wrong path. <laughs> goes goes to the wrong place over and over again. I, I do it in my own life, even though I don't learn from what happened before. But what I have learned is trust. The word trust is how long I'm willing to wait on God until I act on my own. How long am I willing to wait on God until I act on my own is how much trust I have. And I believe this is the point of Jesus as wonderful counselor. Because you may not like church, you may, not, you may have been hurt by the church, you may not believe that God will heal you in the way you want or in the time you want. There are numerous reasons for you not to believe in God or believe in the church. But in all my life and all my experience, the thing I've learned most is where else are you going to go? You know, there may not be a lot of grace in the church, but there's a whole lot more than on the outside. There may be a lot of peace or kindness or goodness, 
But there's a whole lot more than you're going to find out there. When you're struggling, where else are you going to go? Where else are you going to find these things? Because what I've, I've learned also is that this, this word, this wonderful counselor, like saves us from our own actions, doesn't it? Because if I'd have stayed in the word at one, I probably wouldn't have gotten to that situation to begin with. Or two, I would have realized it probably wasn't as big as I thought it was. It wasn't a big issue as I was making it out to be. You know, as I, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, and you know, in my struggle with 20 years of chronic pain, having really not felt good since about August 2014 with different surgeries and issues, and now I have this breathing problem, which is why I'm not trying to sound like I'm breathing heavy in the mic. It's just where I am. And, and then also with our house catching on fire, I'm not really the poster boy of like, hey, I want his life. You know, and it's okay. But as I deal with these things, and I, and I see God as a wonderful counselor, I see what it means in my own life. Because in the midst of all these challenges, I've constantly attempted to keep my eyes on Christ. Keep my eyes on where they go. And make my request be made known to him. And has it been easy? No. It's not. I'm not here to tell you that, oh, just, just pray more. Just read your Bible and everything will be okay. You eventually will. But that doesn't help sometimes in the midst of your struggle. Of whatever you might be dealing with. And let's be honest, I mean, I'm seminary trained, I've pastored for years, I've done ministry for most of my adult life, I know the answers in my head, doesn't mean I always know it in my heart. And sometimes I've got to get to that point and bridge that gap. You know, knowing Christ will comfort me in my pain and struggles doesn't always help when I'm curled up in the fetal position on my bedroom floor, writhing in pain, and it's not even my bedroom floor because I'm in a rental house. It doesn't always connect. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning and end up with. Because in those times, and we talked about this on our men's Bible study on Thursday, is it's in those times you just wish God would speak to you. You know, if you'd bring back that whole writing on the wall thing, that'd be awesome. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it, right? We're all there, right? Just tell me what to do, man, I'm there. But it's hard in the midst of your own struggle on a practical level because let me tell you, the only thing worse than suffering is not hearing God in the midst of that suffering. It's a challenge. But even my darkest times, there's times when I wanted to turn away and just you know, say, screw this, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. There's not another way. There's not another option. In the midst of my own life and doing counseling for many years, when I deal with other people, when they want to turn away from God, they're not turning to something better. When they turn away from the church, they're not turning to something that's going to be more fulfilling. When they turn away from God, they're turning to drugs. They're turning to alcohol. They're turning to sex. They're turning to pornography or consumerism. They're turning to something to stop the pain. They're turning to something that will ease the pain that they're experiencing in their lives. Because that's all you want when you're suffering, is you want to numb the pain. And there's times in the midst of that pain, you may need some medication to help deal with the physical pain of your life or what you're dealing with. But that's all it's dealing with is the physical pain. It's not dealing with the emotional and, more importantly, the spiritual pain of your life. That can only come from one place, and that is the wonderful counselor of who Christ truly is. So the realization, if we're on this earth... We need to live our lives for Christ's kingdom and not our own little kingdoms. 
put our focus on him and what matters most. Because no matter how much pain or misery I've seen, it pales in comparison to being nailed on the cross to accept the sins of everyone so that we wouldn't have to suffer for that. And that is a comfort. This is the definition of Jesus' as wonderful counselor. It's not that our lives are going to be perfect, that we're going to be rich, that we're going to be healthy, that we're going to have, have everything we want. We may, and that's awesome. But there's no promise of that. There's the promise of, I'll always be there. I'll never leave you and seek you. I love you, and nothing can take that away from me. And that I have all that you need. We have an advocate, a counselor, an advisor who helps us weather the storm. And will be there for us because he has the knowledge because he's been through that storm himself to bring us through the other side. A Savior has a grand plan from the very beginning, which is working and fighting continue, to continue working in your life until you see it completed. And sometimes we may not see it completed on this earth. And that's okay. Because again, there's a bigger plan far beyond anything we can imagine. So as I leave you this morning, I want to leave this challenge with you. As, you. as you leave this place, as you go into your work week, as you go to school, whatever you might do throughout the week, this is what I challenge you with. What burden or pain or challenge do you need to lay at the foot of the cross and seek the ultimate counsel that can only come from Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Lord God, we just <clears throat> thank you for the opportunity to be here, to, to know you more, to, to come up beside you, Lord, in, in the midst of our trials and tribulations, Lord. We know through the prayers that were said earlier and the ones that weren't spoken, we're all dealing with something. We all have some challenge, some issue or problem in our lives, Lord, that we don't know how to get around, we don't know how to get through, but we know you have the answer, Lord. And I just pray as a congregation this morning, we could just lay that before you. And let your wisdom, your counsel, Lord, just fill us with that peace that passes all understanding. And that we could seek your guidance no matter what we're dealing with, Lord. Knowing that the, the earthly answers, Lord, are just that. They're earthly. They're temporal. They don't give us the just knowledge and information we need to see the bigger picture of what you're doing in our lives. I just thank you for this time. I pray over these people here. And I pray that, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, we could look beyond our own lives to the bigger plan, the bigger story you have for us, God. And that all we could do could glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you and have a great week.